As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The producers of this podcast recognize the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. The following podcast contains content of a graphic, violent nature and is not suitable for children. Well, to some breaking news now, and a Victorian man has been charged with murder over the death of his partner inside their home. The family of slain mother of two, Katie Haley, says they've lost a beautiful girl with a heart of gold. 
our beautiful Katie girl, not only did we lose a much-loved daughter and sister, but two precious children lost their beautiful mother. Last night, an act of pure evil touched our family. She did not deserve what has happened to her. Our guest today is Boyd Unwin, suburban tradie and father of three in his 50s, who's always thought of himself and his family as the epitome of normal and unremarkable. I still think they're pretty close to the average Australian family, and on my worst days, I wonder if there's anything we can do to change the dark secret that hangs over so many of us. But Boyd is more optimistic, and he's committed himself to understanding how he lost his daughter Katie to her partner five years ago. Boyd and his wife Tanya are now raising the child their daughter shared with her murderer, and bit by bit, they'll have to explain to that child why neither of her parents can be with her. They're doing this at a time when they thought they'd be settling into retirement and enjoying being grandparents. Meanwhile, Boyd and his other daughter, Bianca, cope with their feelings of loss and rage by advocating for Katie and for other families in their position. They participated in the SBS series Look What You Made Me Do, for example, which reenacted parts of their story and showed CCTV footage of the lead-up to Katie's murder. All of that was harrowing for them, no doubt, but as you'll hear, the Unwins are determined to open the eyes of other normal families to what they now see were red flags in Katie's relationship. They'd all grown to dislike her partner, but none of them believed she was in mortal danger in her home. If they had, they'd never have allowed her and her kids to be in that home for a single second. And that's the very important message Boyd Unwin wants us all to hear. Well, the kids are little. Um, it was always full on because you got three kids. So. Yeah. But a bit of a gap between uh, Katie and Bianca and then Dylan. So there's nine years in there. So. Oh, so Katie was an only child till she was nine. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. So, yeah, so uh, you know, they all went through their cycles of not getting along and getting along. But we've always been a close family, did everything together. And they did learn a lot off each other for different things. Um, Bianca's the academic one and um, Katie was the one who I suppose played dumb. I don't think she was, but she, <laughs> it was just easy to get through. And um, But the other two always thought she uh, managed to have the luck all the time. Didn't matter what it was, it would just work out for Katie. So you had three good kids? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Just we, normal uh, squabbles around the house, but no major dramas? No, not a lot of major dramas. Um yeah, with Katie, it was a few of her partners and that sort of thing where she tended to attract the same sort of drama. What was the pattern? It was just um, controlling behaviour. Yeah, a lot of them were uh, controlling, uh, manipulative. She'd had a couple that weren't, but there was a couple and it seems to be, and this is what I've had to learn along the way because I've never been... I bet you're an expert on things like, um, you know, coercive control well, and things like yeah, that. Yeah, that's where this has all come from yeah. because I knew there was problems and I saw a bit of a pattern. But you think, ah, oh, well, it's not that bad. What's it lead to? That sort of mm. thing. But I've had to try and get myself into their mind space because well, I didn't understand how they could be in those relationships because they've grown up in a loving home relationship with no... Yeah, there's no family violence, there's no no real yelling or fighting or drama. 
I found it very hard and I used to say that he's not right for you or this isn't good behaviour or whatever because we've never had that. And, yeah, you can have one person and you go, that's not right and you... But when you get this pattern of it... And plus it must have started really young because she was yeah. y- young when she was taken from you. So yeah. are you saying like when she was a teenager she had boyfriends who you th- who now uh, you think... Early were- on she had some that I think were a bit controlling and I, I look back now and see it. What was the but, sort of behaviour? Oh, it's just if they don't get their own way, they get a bit, yeah, early on, it's a bit sooky and a bit, yeah, needy and a bit, and yeah, then it escalates with other ones further on that, oh, come and see me or I'll kill myself or Mm. it it actually gets to that extent or, you know, um, the lies or the what are you doing or what are you, yeah, all the, Mm. and the main, one of the main things that I saw right across was them trying to access the phones. To see who, yeah, to see who are they talking to, um, who are their friends list, and actually getting into it and blocking people. And that happened regularly between multiple people. And we learned a lot more of that during the court case um, to do with the the murderer of Katie. Years ago, um, with one of the partners, I actually used to cut out newspaper articles out of the paper of people that had killed their partners in rage and all this with, you know, um, or murder-suicide or whatever and cut them out and put them on her bed for when she came home and said, that's what you're dealing with. And so now I still live with that, that maybe I've summoned the energy from the world, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but you always think that way, don't you? Yeah, as a parent you go, did I preempt this or did I, you know? What that's interesting about that to me though is was that partner really sort of outwardly, he, he must have had a much more obvious yeah. aggression about it. Yeah, yeah. So that's why we didn't feel this guy was yeah. so much as a problem. Until the end, we did. How long were they together? About four years. About four years. And so in the beginning, as I touched on earlier, everyone, it seems like everyone, uh, thought he was a lovely guy yep. and different, different to the previous guys that um, Katie had been with. He seemed... Gentle, quiet. Yeah, he look, he, he was. I got along well with him um, initially, definitely, yeah. When I first met him before they were going out and all that and he was a tradie, I'm, yeah, a tradie yeah. and you sort of get along and, um, yeah, there were still other things going on in the background with Katie and... Because um, she brought a child into the relationship. Yeah, that's right. And it seems like he, he accepted that. Yeah, yeah. It was all yeah. good. And he, he had two kids to someone else oh, as right, well. Oh, right, okay. Um, but, yeah, they got along well and, um, yeah, if anything, I thought he was a bit immature. Yeah, he was a couple of years younger, but he just, yeah, he was into his gaming and bits and pieces. But, yeah, he seemed all right. Um, and, look, I'm sure she didn't, wouldn't have believed in a million years either that he would have heard her. Oh, look, I, I've got no doubt, knowing, knowing Katie, that even when he did, if she saw it coming, she most likely would have laughed at him and said, yeah. Good on you. Like he's a he's a skinny guy. He's a he does not look. This is a stupid thing to say. Yeah, he doesn't look like the kind of person who yeah. would do this. Yeah, it's funny because uh, nowadays I see that type of person everywhere. I bet. Yeah, and we should. We should. Uh, we all I, should. Well, I just see him and I think of and and I'm now wrong. I'm looking the other way. I was yeah. always give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah, and all that sort of thing. But now I see someone and go. I reckon he's one of them. And that's unfair as well. 
but it is. But, but at the same time, but, I mean, it's silly how I, we I, used to think, you know, that violent men were looked a certain way. Yeah, and yeah. they don't. And that's a, that's the biggest thing. So, in my eyes, he was no prize catch. But when it comes very to very different character to you. Yeah. Well, but then you start seeing, you know, it was it was after after their they, child, they, they had, had a, a child, baby and um, after that, he it's almost like he lost centre stage. It's no longer about me. But that's when it all turned. She was a very doting mum, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. She <laughs> always put the kids first. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and, and that's why, yeah, she went back to work but for a different job because she wanted, she spoke about it, having the house and the dog and the, yeah. and the, yeah, the whole thing. But they were renting and so she went back to work to make extra money. It wasn't costing them for babysitting because my wife did that yeah. nearly every day. So I, I, I and it was down were, the road. You they know. were very close, uh, yeah. your, your wife and and Katie, and she had a beautiful new baby girl yep. and she had a son who was a little bit older. So on the surface it looked pretty perfect. It did. It looked great and we thought that they were happy and um, but then you start seeing this stuff sneak in. You think, oh, they'll get, get over that. This partner moves on from being a bit put out to when Katie starts working at this, well, he called it a bar. You made the point of saying on this show on SBS. Yeah. Well, it's a bistro. It's a family bistro. They worked in the yeah. restaurant. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, he called it the pub or the bar or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah. But it was it's, one of those places where families go. It's, it's and a you, family bistro with a big playground. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so My kids and I, yeah, you know, we yeah, lived at them for yeah, their yeah, whole lives. Yes. Next to that, you got pokies. Yeah. Uh, and then they got a sports bar in a separate building. Yeah. So it's not even. Yeah. So they're there, you know, yeah. you're, you're, both your girls are there. They couldn't, their outfits could not be less sexy, by the way. And they're, they're <laughs> the ladies who take your order for your yeah. kids, you know, kids' nuggets and um, Nana's fisherman's basket. Well, and <laughs> Yeah. And you're, work, you're working either a lunch shift or a, yeah. or a tea shift. You're yeah. not. You're not serving till close and you're not. But yeah. he got a bit sus that she was flirting, right? Um, well, not sus. He just got insecure that she was flirting. Yeah. He started accusing see, her see, of flirting. everything, I believe, everything just, just in his head, just this totally. mental picture. She was the happiest she'd been because she got this shift where she could go and do three hours. She could go to uh, then go and pick up her trial or do a double shift, come back to our house because it's three minutes away, yeah, and then go back and it's all easy, whereas before that she was a hairdresser. Yeah. So you're on your feet. Now, when she was younger, she had a car accident and broke her back. Wow. Um, and so she was in a lot of pain, you know. Um, she went through a lot of stuff. And so this was heaps better for her. She, she found it so much better, more relaxed, not standing in the one spot, yeah, working with sister, being able to have the best of... Both worlds, she can contribute to the finances. She can know the child's safe, being looked after. You know, we'd be picking up from school or yeah. whatever of um, our grandson as well. And everything was ideal. Except and that at home he, she's taking shit. Yeah, well, that's right. He just went irrational on all this. The biggest thing was he couldn't let things go. I actually had a big, long conversation on the phone with him one day because he was trying to talk to my wife, just harassing her about, you know, what's going on and all this. So I took the phone and I said, mate, you got to chill. And so he'd gone back onto, and I'm not real tech savvy, but it was either Instagram or whatever. He'd read, And he was going back through his photos and that from a year earlier and stuff and going, well, why didn't you, why is there no photos? Or why is this or why is that? And so he's reading things into it that aren't there. 
And I'm trying to say to him, why are you bringing that up? That's not going to help your cause at the moment. Mm. And I could just tell it wasn't sinking in at all. So he started to create a narrative in his own mind and it suddenly everywhere he looks, everything fits that narrative. So he looks at Katie's social media and he goes, oh, there's no photos of me anymore on her social media. And I think in his mind he's thinking that's because she wants to be flirting with other guys and she doesn't want me on there or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I, I, all her photos on social media and that. Were her kids. Or of the babies. <laughs> or of I the get babies it. and yeah. nanny. And, well, and his so, reaction to that is chilling. Yeah. He then goes and starts a few fake social media accounts. Yeah. So that was started some fake accounts as a female mm. and started contacting people, trying to get them to. He he pretends he's a hot woman. He's yeah. got this, starts these accounts. He try, He makes friends with men that she works with. And then he tries to have conversations with them about girls they work with yeah. and who's the flirtiest. Yeah, that's right. How, yeah, trying to lead the conversation down a path yeah. that wasn't there. Um, and no one was fooled by it. Everyone knew, both the the people that were getting asked and Katie, because Katie called him on it. Well, how bizarre. Because they worked it out because it wasn't hard. No, because yeah. he's sending people messages, this rando. Yeah girl on Facebook is saying, I've heard you work with a girl called Katie and she's really flirty. <laughs> I mean, how bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, it sort of points of Yeah. Points the arrow somewhere, doesn't it? And the poor girl. He just escalated with yeah, you know, the paranoia, the stalking, the um surveillance. Katie be out either with my wife or with um my mother in law at a shopping centre somewhere. Mm. Nowhere near where he's meant to be working on the day. And he'd just pop up to him in the food court uh-huh. at the shopping centre and go, oh, how are you going? The old find my phone. Yeah. Yeah. So so we assume it was through all that type of thing. Mm. Um, there was stuff there on his phone or computer um, through the court transcripts where he's, in his search history was how to break into an iPhone or mm. how to do this or how to, yeah, those sorts of things. He regularly tried to get in if she changed her password. Um, we be ringing her and couldn't get hold of her and go, well, why couldn't we get hold of you? Oh, he's tried so many attempts again and it's locked out. And, you know, I'd had words to him about that as well. Mm. Occasionally, uh, like he'd come, meant to come and pick up the kids from us um, and take them home once he'd finished work and she'd finish her shift. But sometimes he wouldn't turn up or he had other things on or whatever and so in the end we just gave up on that. But quite often he'd just go and sit opposite of work and watch. And then... um, from memory, there was this one day where they had um, someone there that I'm not sure their full circumstance, a bit of possibly special needs, and they needed to get a cab. But so they had to sit with them and talk to them while they waited for the cab. And uh, he's taken that as, yeah, so they're just around this person that's a regular. Mm. And, yeah, so he's come bursting in and pulled her aside and sort of said, um, you've been flirting with him for 15 minutes or whatever and that sort of thing. He's and obvi- you, you can't communicate ha- with a person no. like that. So I'm assuming at home you can't defend yourself when someone's accusing you of things like that and it's yeah. so ridiculous. Yeah, but then you get over that. From what I can gather, they get over it. Okay. And then he just brings it up again. Yeah. Because it, it's still going through his head. So he just, it's, it's baffling to me because how it can end up in that point, yeah, of a gruesome murder. Yeah. After, if you're suspecting someone or something, I'm sorry, if my wife doesn't like me tomorrow, not much I can do about it. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll try and work it out if we can't. Yeah. 
you don't sit there and go, well, yeah, I'll, I think I'll kill you now. It's, uh, no. it's, you know, it's just bizarre. Six days before my daughter was brutally murdered, I had a face-to-face conversation with the murderer because, you know, they weren't getting along and he wanted to have his five minutes because that's what they like to do. They've got to have their say. And I'd tried to help him before. I'd had big conversation. It all just went over his head, yeah, because he was in this place and he wasn't listening to reason. So I spoke to him directly because I wasn't going to do it over text or phone and just told him, you need to sort it out with Katie. What you're thinking's happening isn't. I said, you're irrational. You need to look at that. And I said, she wants to sort it out. You're adults. I said, I don't get involved unless you touch her. That were my words to him on that day. And he told me he'd never touched her and he never would. That was six days before. So that's another place that I revisit regularly. Well, you know now and we're all sort of getting our heads around the fact that it's it's that the da- danger period is when someone says, I'm leaving. Yeah, yeah. Well, so that's the other thing. Like on the night she left, she disappeared for a little while and um, she said, I'm going to see mum, I'm going to mum's. He talked her into coming back in, I'm assuming, um, and I can only assume that's because our granddaughter was still in the house because my grandson was with his dad that night because um, I'd handed him over earlier in the day. So, And that's one of those things. We drove past that night. Um, around the time this was all going on, drove past their suburb, coming back from taking our other daughter who was having similar issues with a partner. And so we took her out for tea and stuff and we're driving past and... My wife said, should we drop in and see him? And we thought, oh, no, we drove home. Now, that that would have been an hour, hour and a half before she was murdered. Um, and my wife actually came over really ill that night driving past there. She felt funny in the stomach and all that. So mother's intuition, whatever, I don't know. But, yeah, she'd left. She went back and an hour or so later, um, that was it. What happened that night? You... When you got home, was it normal for, for Satania to give her a ring of a night time or? No, so what, what had happened was she finished work just at the time that I was doing handover with her son to his dad. And so she flew down and um, just to quickly say goodbye to him, which was great in the end yeah. in reality. But at yeah. the time I thought, why are you here? Because I was strained a bit. So I thought, why are you here when you said you couldn't? Yeah, and she just knocked she off. She and the ex were a bit strained. Not yeah, 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 yeah. So, so the relationship, yeah. yeah, yeah. So there, so it was, yeah, you're oh, doing the access thing and all that sort of thing. So lucky so, that she did. Yeah, so she, because it was only where we did the meet or the handover was a couple hundred metres from her work. So she just pulled in, I'm thinking, here, and she said, see ya, love you, yeah, um, which was great that that happened when you look back on it. Mm. But And then, um, yeah, then we went up to our place and she was going to cut my hair because... Uh, yeah, that's the beauty of having a hairdresser in the family. It is, yeah. yeah. Um, and, yeah, she came up and was getting harassed the whole time. Where are you? I know you've finished work, da da da, da. I'm doing that too, you know. And she was on the phone at one stage saying, I'm over this. You know, like it was just the usually thinking, what's going on, you know. From memory, I changed the car seat around for our granddaughter to be facing the other way. So we got a photo. That was the photo of our granddaughter in the car driving out the driveway. So it's actually time stamped when she left our house. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So because that was as she was driving out the driveway. And then um, we got a photo later back from Katie of her in the car with a video on or something because we've got a, yeah, there's a video in the car. Yeah. 
Um, so because she's facing that way now, she can see it, and they're coming back from tea or going to tea or whatever. All and three so, of them. Yeah, the three of them. Mm-hmm. And so we're thinking, oh yeah, that's all right. They've sorted things out. Yeah, whatever. And um, that was sort of it for the night until around midnight. I got a phone call from the police looking for the uh, murderer's ex-partner. Okay, so they've they've gotten home from dinner. So something's happened after that. Yeah, they've had fights and arguments and yeah. So and then the police have called you looking for his ex-partner, his ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Why they're calling you looking for her? Well, that's what we didn't know. So they just had it associated with our house. And they don't even know that you're the victim's parents. It doesn't appear so. No. No. So so this was about an hour after she'd been murdered. Who called the police, by the way? Uh, the murderer's mother. So he's realised he's he's killed Katie and he's called his mum? Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, so he's called his mum told her what, what, what he's done. She's called the police. She said, you have to call her. And he goes, I can't. You have to. Uh, no, it took, took them a good nine minutes before they called Triple O. So he admitted to it and owned up to it straight away. Yeah. So done and dusted. But then he took off, um, took took my granddaughter with him and dropped him off at the parents' house. Oh, drop, parents dropped house. the baby off at his mum and dad's? Yeah. Okay, yep. well, that's, okay. Yeah, he said he had to get her to safety, which I find amazing because there's only one person that was unsafe. Mm. Did he know that Katie was dead? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, he, re- he didn't do anything to try and assist or anything because he reckoned she was and um, he went back and got the keys from her person to get the car keys. Didn't call the ambulance? No, didn't. Fled the scene, um, went on a run. Uh, yeah, so on the night we got um, the uh, yeah, police ringing about this other person. I explained the interlink. I know who you're talking about, but they never lived here. Well, how long have you lived here? I built the house, da 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 But I know who you're talking about. Like, is there anything I need to worry about? No, 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 we're just looking for him. So then we spent the rest of the night after that, trying to contact Katie because we're worried about this woman and her kids. Yeah, so were they thinking she was in danger? Yeah, well, because he was on the run. Yeah, and they know that he's already committed an act of violence. You don't. No, we didn't know know anything. We didn't know anything. So they know that he's committed an act of extreme violence and so they must be, I I guess they're thinking, who knows. Yeah, yeah, so they... They um, got different police stations ringing different people, obviously, trying yeah. to track down the safety of the kids and that, which is funny because they didn't ask me about the other. I don't know. Yeah, you know, know how they so, didn't know who you were. So, His mother mustn't have told them, I guess. But, yeah, so I, I me being me, I wrote down the um, officer's name and phone number just in case something came up or whatever or in case it was a prank or if it's a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've been woken up. It's midnight. <laughs> yeah. Um, You're very clear thinking, though. So, I, I would have hung up before I even thought of any of yeah, that. But. Yeah, well, no, that's just me, I guess. Mm. <laughs> uh, well, then my wife tried to contact our daughter and couldn't get hold of her, and so we tried phone, messenger. Yeah. Yeah, Facebook, I don't know, whatever else they got. And, yeah, I even tried ringing him, you know, because if he's got the phones off, because we were concerned by the other side. We weren't actually concerned at this point for Katie. And then once this was going on for a while, you start feeling a bit uneasy mm-hmm. um, to the point you're thinking of driving down there. And then on social media, there's all this stuff going on in summer and surrounds saying the air wing's out doing a manhunt, the dog squad's out, roads are blocked, and it was all around the area of where this person lived but also where we have other family member. 
um, not that far from there. So you go, what's going on? Mm. And you're sort of contemplating, should we go down there? But you don't want to. Yeah, I had this gut feeling. I, I felt really uneasy, but I didn't want to leave the family at home. As, as the time goes on, because it got to about 2 o'clock in the morning, so about a couple of hours, and you're looking at all this, you can't get hold of things, and then uh, then my wife's just um, let rip because the police have put a statement out um, stating that a 29-year-old woman's body was found in this street and a 28-year-old man's in custody helping with inquiries. So, yeah, so you... Uh, Try bringing the police back and get no response. I finally got a hold of the police, but they said, oh, we'll call back. Um, so I just put the whole family in the car and drove to the scene. And you're still under, as sad, you're under the hope that yeah. it's not her and it's this other woman, that you don't wish bad on anyone. But, you know, you're sitting there and, and to be told at the, the scene, you go, is it is it our daughter? And they go, we believe so. So... So there's no full confirmation, but... Um, you can't go in. Yeah. And, and yeah, you can't go in. You're about five houses back. Mm. Yeah, you can't even see the house, really. Um, you just see the whole street lit up with flashing lights and, yeah, everything's there. Yeah, so the, uh, your world crumbles uh, rather quickly and then all of a sudden you have that light bulb moment. Where's our granddaughter? So then that's... That's your next task. You've already had to push that aside because you've got to think of a 10-month-old child. If you or someone you know is experiencing family violence, you should contact 1800RESPECT. That's 1800-737-732. Or you can contact them through their website, 1800respect.org.au. If you believe you require urgent assistance, always dial triple zero. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So what what's going on practically? You're standing in the street, the three of you. 
you, Tanya, Bianca, or the and, four and of you, Dylan. and Dylan. Yeah. I'm on the floor. Yeah. Uh, my wife's over in the car sitting on a seat, um, ringing family because mm. distraught. Yeah. Yep. And obviously there's the police aren't very comforting. No, no. We had had the police that sort of, yeah, they're doing their thing. Yeah. But then you had you already had a media turn up. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, well, they've approached and my wife's. Had a rip at them, which um, is understandable because you, you've, yeah, like it's within seconds of us finding God getting there, and we haven't heard any of this for the three hours that it's been going on. And then you've realised where's the baby? Yeah, and they said she's safe, and we go, okay, where is she? She's with his family. We go, well, we need to get her because we babysat her every day. They hadn't had much to do with her, and we knew what she needed, and we knew, you know, yeah, and. Um, yeah, I basically got told, yeah, um, no, nah, she's safe. I said, well, no, nah, she needs to be. I I was quite forceful on the night to make sure I made it happen because uh, I felt it needed to be done. But we'd sort of said on the night, we don't have a problem with them. We said to the police, we don't have a problem with them. Only one person's done this. And we just thought it would be, it's going to be very difficult, but, you know, you don't think too far into it at that point. Mm. But in the end, I got them to ring them and ask if they'd hand her over if they, because they said they were reasonable people. So I said, be reasonable people. So, um, yeah, so the police went and got her that night. We met around the corner and got her because, uh, yeah, they didn't want us coming together, which is understandable. I don't know how you behave when your son's murdered his partner and the mother of his child. I don't know how I would, I'd love to think that I would, you know, do the best and the thing that would make everybody else uh, amazed at my fortitude. And but I don't know what I would do in their in their place. I don't know. Well, we've obviously had lots of time to talk about and think yes. about these things. And um, the biggest thing that comes to the front with most of us when we talk about it, whether it's with my workmates or family or whatever, mm. I if it was my son, yes, I would support him in what he needed. But I've raised them to take accountability for their actions. So I'm not con- would not condone in any way, shape, or form what he's done. If he needs help, we try to get him that help. Mm-hmm. But I'm never going to put his needs before the victims. Yeah, you you can't in society. We can't do that. We have to be accountable for our actions. And if that means you're locked up and you suffer the consequences. Well, that's what happens. But it should not be the victims and the victim's family that get the rough end of the stick no. or whatever from. Yeah, you just got to be better than that. Sure, an apology or whatever might be worth something. We wouldn't know because we didn't get one. But it's not going to fix everything and it might make things hard, but it's a it's an olive branch, isn't it? Because now I've been thrown in this and it's great for me to be able to say, I would do this or I would do that. Yeah. And maybe I wouldn't. But, you know, you, you try and take as much pressure off that family as you can. Mm. You know, because within days of it happening, I had to empty a house. That was the crime scene that I didn't even know what room it happened in. I was trying to deal with this before the funeral, whereas I should have been concentrating on the funeral and the grandkids and everything else. Yeah, so we've got to chase up DHHS, we've got to chase up the house. We got to, I, I had debt collectors set on me a few months later for her services at the house 
because I got it changed over to my address. Yeah. And yeah. certainly her, um, Katie's son, your grandson, is, I don't know exactly how old he was, but he's old enough he to He was know. six. Oh, he's six. I mean, he's old enough well and truly to understand what's happened. Yeah, so we, we called him up and got him up and told him. Yeah, that was hard. And, yeah, so you've got that going on. You've mm. got two siblings that now no longer live together mm. um, and still don't. And so your grandson doesn't live with you? No. He lives with his dad? Yeah, so he lives with his dad. Yeah. And, um, but, we, yeah, we work it out. We um, do the best we can to get them to see each other as much as they can. So, yeah. And that's multiple times a week. So he got 24 years with a minimum of 19. It's enough, but it's not good enough. Yeah, when you compare it to other ones that have happened in recent times where it's a minimum of 30, mm. a life's a life. And and so is that a sign that they don't take domestic violences in the judicial system? That's for them to decide and us to question. But I think they need to get rid of this because he pled guilty yeah. early, he gets five years off. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, if they're going to go with that model of things, so if you plead guilty and you don't drag everyone through a court case and all this, you get time off because you're showing remorse. Mm. No, the system knows that you get more time off. Yeah. So from now on, if I get a speeding fine, I'd like 20% off because I admit that I was speeding. Yeah. Does it happen? No. What other part of our law system do you get a discount for admitting guilt, Mm. right? except for the highest crimes in our society where you shouldn't. If you waste the court's time, you should get more time. Mm. But otherwise, this is what you should get because I tell you now, for victims' families, hearing they get a reduction for remorse because they pled guilty early because they admitted to it straight away to other people, that's not remorse. No, it's not. Right? That is maybe he took ownership in that moment. That's admitting. That's just admitting to it. But he did it. Yeah. But the fact that he ran away mm. and they had to chase him down with the air wing and dog squad, mm. so that's remorse, mm. is it? Oh, yeah, no, he was going to kill himself apparently. Yeah, so he gets that. So he's shown remorse, okay? What remorse did he show us? We've never had an apology. No. For me to get a cold call from the uh, coroner's office um, a few days after asking for a dentist, um, that she went to because they couldn't visually identify my daughter. That's the hardest thing. That's my biggest trigger because that's not meant to happen that way, you know, just a cold call like that. But to realise that's how much of a beating it was, um, that's not just upset. Yeah, that is total uncontrollable rage. And and someone like that isn't welcome to walk the streets with the rest of us. No. They can't be because they don't know why they did it. I guess I just lost it, is his comment. Okay. Oh, sorry, sorry you lost it, mate. Yeah, yeah, all right. Hope you feel better. Yeah, he's got 14 years left. Yeah, um, we've often said it. So our daughter got a death sentence. The perpetrator got a prison sentence mm-hmm. and the rest of us got a life sentence. Her kids, my wife, I, we got the life sentence. So you've got to look at it in that context because he's he's can be out in 14 years. Now, everyone's going to have a different opinion on what what a jail sentence should be for that, mm-hmm. but he can come out and live his life and all the rest of it. But, yeah, our lives have forever changed and tarnished and, and it's ongoing. 
the complications of everything we do, mm. the rip, like I said before, the ripple effect. So trying to deal with Centrelink. Mm. Um, initially no one had uh, rights to um, our granddaughter because technically he did. He still had it and he was in jail. Um, so you have to deal with them. You have to get her onto Medicare cards, but you don't have official yeah, guardianship. Um, so, yeah, so so that's why it all ended up hard. Um, so you've got all those things. And then things like name changes through courts and stuff like that and trying to deal with Centrelink and births, deaths and marriages. Uh, then there's the estate and because the estate's all for minors, you know, and then, yeah, it, everything just went on and because you're trying to work it out, what do you get? You get nothing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we're technically grandparent fosterers. Um, that's the way they look at it. But it's not like a normal foster. You don't get anything other than yeah. So so, but you're meant you, you're meant to get free kindergarten and um, free childcare, except it was means tested. Oh. So you sit there and go, well, okay, you might get some of that, but then now everyone gets free kindergarten. Yeah, so, right. Yeah. Well, glad we had that. Um, so you don't get but, any benefits. Not really, no, no, no. Right. So, so well, yeah. I mean, so, that's the other thing too that we that I appreciate is that you posted once on social media about the fact that you know you guys should be retired, you should be all retiring, and you should have your grandkids for a sleepover in the holidays, maybe. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not quite at retirement. I've got a fair farewell to go. But... I mean, you look very young and healthy to me, but what I'm saying is yeah. that you should be coming to an age where you and Tanya are thinking about going on a cruise. Well, two two weeks before this happened, um, Tanya and I bought a camper trailer that we're going to start tripping because... That's what you should be doing. Because my youngest, um, he was driving. Yeah. He was... Re- he was we were starting to sleep in because he could take himself to school or go to work or whatever yeah. he was doing. And, um, yeah, we'd be ringing him up, go and get your own tea. We're, uh, right. we're out. Yeah. But now and you're raising little kids, like yeah. primary school age. Yeah, so, yeah, well, we sold the camper trailer because it was only used for accommodation at the funeral in our backyard. And we hadn't even bought a vehicle to tow it yet. Yeah. Yeah, so um, we had to upgrade vehicles, you know, for car seats and all that again. Mm. And um, it's one of those things that, yeah, it, our lives should have been different. Everyone's lives should have been different. Yeah. This is what we've been dealt. This is what we've chosen to do. Um, so you're not going to not do it. We spoil them rotten. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we were going to do that anyway. Yeah. Because we were grandparents. But now, yeah, they will be spoiled rotten. But their integrity and their morals and that, that's not going to be, you know, there's no excuse for bad behaviour. Yeah. Um, so they'll be raised in the right way. Yeah, there's consequences and everything else, but along the way, they're not going to go without. But once again, the ripple effect. Yes. Um, I'll be working to retirement or further because I'm now raising another child. You know, we've got full custody of our granddaughter, so, Mm. yeah, we're running her through school and all the rest of it again. And uh, so you go, oh, we'll put those things off, you know. And for Um, the kids, you know, every uh, Mother's Day and Father's Day and all of those things, they have to make the decision at school how they're going to handle it, what they're going to tell the other kids. Yeah, well, the big thing is um, we do have that with our granddaughter. She is confused, mm. yeah, as she's growing up and, yeah, she knows we're nanny and pop. But half the time we're mum and dad. We spoke to child psychologists and that about it because we needed to know, is that right, is that wrong? And they said she'll find her path mm. because it is that thing where, 
when all the kids are talking about it at school or at kindergarten or whatever, she's a bit put out. And so we have to discuss that. So that's another thing. We've got to go in and have this conversation every year with every teacher, what her circumstance is, so that when it comes to Mother's Day or it comes to Special Person's Day or it comes to Father's Day or it comes to whatever, we might not send her that day or we might keep her home. She might have a bad day. She she tells us nearly every day, I miss mummy. And you know, she was only 10 months old, but the memory's still alive. And the amount she knows, we're not really sure how that's possible for her. Where it's come from. Um, but, yeah, so we, we have to go through those circumstances, but they get a bit confused at school because she'll go from calling us mum and dad to nanny and pop and all the rest and they're a bit confused, the other kids are a bit confused. But it is what she needs to do to be normal. Mm-hmm. So, so if she's got a mum and dad, people don't ask questions, I guess. She's got a trauma or a tragedy to her that's going to follow her. And so we've got to watch out for that. But she's, she's dealing unbelievably well. Like she was really bad after it happened. Like as a very young child, she wouldn't go anywhere near men or anything like that. So she obviously had a sense of what was going on in the house, I guess, because uh, if anyone yelled, and even to this day, if anyone yells, like even if it's yeah, like the footy had playing, you know, yeah. She gets very agitated, yeah. yeah. She had night terrors. She had all this. So you don't know what she heard, what she saw, what she felt um, emotionally. But for her, she's going great guns. Part of my reason for doing this is I don't want her to Google her mum's name and see the crime scene photos. That's I want I want her to Google if she Googles her mum's name because that's what they can do. So I'd like to see a positive story coming out of it that, you know, the advocacy yeah. or the um, helping others or how we've saved people or, yeah. you know, because we have. We've had people contact us saying if it wasn't for you or your story, I wouldn't have left. And this, so, this is it. And so, so you're, you feel like you're actually helping because none of this advocacy work or anything benefits me per se. I can't get Katie back mm-hmm. and my grandkids can't get their mum back. But if I stop other families from going through this, well, then it's worthwhile. This is what really attracted me to you and um, Tanya and your story is that I could see through the media stories and stuff that you guys had like the effort that you've put into the kids. And now I'm realising also that your grandson's dad is part of it. And I know that your, your other kids are part of it as well, that as an extended family, what you've been able to do for those two kids while dealing with your own grief, your own shock, also the outreach that you do for other victims' families, I think it's pretty astounding, actually. Yeah, well, it sort of rolled on, I suppose. You go, you learn all this. We tried to be respectful during the court process and didn't say things and, Mm. yeah, until afterwards, um, respected the system. The system's definitely not great. No, it's Um, not great for victims' families. It doesn't work and that's why I'm doing advocacy work and stuff that I do. If anything I can get out there is it can happen that quick. Supposedly hadn't touched it before. I think there was signs and bits and pieces now that you go back through the, you're looking at it and... Um, it does happen though. There's, my, there's a lot of times but, that the first time a man actually physically attacks yeah. a woman, he kills her. It yeah. does happen. Yeah, uh, yeah, it does. Yeah. And But how much before that yeah, controlling behaviour? Yeah. Um, and so that's where people associate domestic violence with physical violence, mm. yet 
probably 90% of domestic violence is not physical. Yeah. It's financial. It's, yeah, it's the surveillance. It's the gaslighting, all those things. And that's what's got to be taught. It needs to be taught in schools with the respectful relationships because... In all honesty, our next generation is our best chance yeah, of stopping this epidemic of violence against women and children and violence in general. Mm. I was really taken with what you were saying about Katie's boyfriends when she was younger, that early stuff of being sooky, these boys, that is controlling. And what you were saying about the phones, I've had other people, other parents say that, that it's really big to want your girlfriend's phone, to want access to your girlfriend's phone, want the passcode and be allowed to get in there. And I've never heard of them blocking other people in there before, but that makes sense, yeah. Oh, I could say that I, I'd know at least three three partners that have done it. So that's really important so, to tell, be teaching our daughters, of all the things we're told to teach our kids, to be teaching our daughters never, ever, ever give anyone else access to your phone. And if anyone is really pressuring you about that, That's a red flag. It is a red flag. The other main thing we've got to get happening is men have to understand what's being said and start supporting it because it's it's almost like they don't see it as an issue. It is a big issue. It's an epidemic. It's more than one woman a week. Mm. And that hasn't changed in the last few years. This is it. And, and you know what? We, ch- we change strategies. We, we increase budgets. The police try different things. We're all looking for red flags. Yeah. Nothing changes. Like what is it that men aren't seeing and really and truly why are men killing women? It's a sense of entitlement yeah. uh, basically. But these stories are what have to be told to men so they understand what's going on. That's right. Because men are too defensive. So as soon as you say men are killing women, women kill too. Oh, tell me about it, mate. I know. Not not all men. Now, Mm. I'm going to call that on another way. Most men don't call it out. Most men don't actually see it as a problem. So... Yeah, not all men kill or, or even beat or, yeah, or, or, yeah. or do coercive control. Mm. But most men aren't doing anything to stop it. They're not calling out their workmates when they are inappropriate. They're not calling out the neighbour when they're yelling and screaming. Yeah, The neighbours reckon they hadn't heard anything around Katie's house. Yeah, but they've been fighting for weeks. But that night we got told oh, they hadn't heard anything. But when you see the reports, police reports, they could give you the exact time that they were knocking on the door and yelling at each other and swearing and doing this. But no one called police, Mm. right, because it's not our business what goes on behind closed doors. That's their problem. No, it's not. It's all of our problem because that that day's done. That's, yeah, Yeah. we're away from those times of, yeah, the bloke comes home from the pub and touches up the wife and says, oh, well, she deserved it. Mm. No, no. We're past that. We're better than that. Yeah, or laughing um, off, you know, the, the, yeah. the big rouse yeah. this certain couple has. Yeah. or And, and by, by no means am I saying that women aren't violent or children aren't violent and, yeah, all the rest of it. But the fact is, and there's no disputing this, who kills more? Men kill more men. Mm-hmm. Men kill more women. Mm-hmm. Men kill more children. Mm-hmm. Men kill more animals. Men are more violent in general. Yeah. Um, and if the male population would technically get their head out of the backsides 
and just say it for that reasoning and say, you've got a point. We need to look out for this and make it better because I'm sure they've got mothers, daughters, wives that they don't want this to happen to. Brothers and sons and this is it. I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's happened to me. Yeah. And I'm just everyday Joe. Yeah. That's right. I go to work. I come home. I love my family. I love my grandkids. Family means a lot to me. It's not um, socio-economic. Absolutely. It doesn't matter where you live. No. It doesn't matter what job you got. It doesn't matter what race you are. No. It doesn't matter colour. It doesn't matter language. It happens. Yeah. It can happen at the top end of town. It can happen at the bottom end of town. Mm. So it's there continually and that's why we've all got to look for it and go, that's not right. Even if you look at it from a point of view, I learn about coercive control. Mm. I do all the finances at home. So then I look at myself and go, am I controlling my wife? Because I do. She doesn't want to do it. Yeah, that's fine. But she doesn't not have access that's or right. she doesn't. Yeah. But, but at least I can acknowledge that I'm thinking about yeah, it that's and right. making sure. So if I'm thinking, am I doing the wrong thing? Mm. That means I'm actually growing or I'm being considerate or I'm looking into it, mm. you know. I often wonder when you've got these people that are so violent towards women and their partners and everything, what do they feel when their daughter gets in a bad relationship? Do they go, good on you, mate, keep her on a good leash? Or do they get upset with him and cause violence on him because he's touching the daughter and then become hypocrites in their own right? The murder of my daughter, I have no fear of him. No. Because he's a weak, gutless coward. Mm. And for anyone who does that, I I pity them because I've I look after the elderly. Mm. I help people across the road if I had to, and all the things that I grew up with and yeah. Um and that's not a sign of weakness or whatever, that's character. Mm. And sadly we don't have enough of that because People are too worried about themselves, mm. yeah, their own self-importance and everything else. But if if we all went to looking out for one another, just that little bit more, are you okay? Yeah, mm. asking if someone looks like they've just, yeah, had a bit of a confrontation with a, uh, are you okay? Thank you to our guest today, Boyd Unwin. If you or someone you know is experiencing family violence, you should contact 1800RESPECT. That's 1800-737-732. Or you can contact them through their website, 1800respect.org.au. If you believe you require urgent assistance, always dial triple zero. And thank you for downloading this episode of Australian True Crime. We'll be back next week. This has been another Smartfella production in conjunction with the Acast Creator Network. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out.